The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Airstory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 77 as we chat with copywriter Christine Loriano about her path from business owner to copywriter, writing for engineers and other technical clients, how she uses her coaching experience as a copywriter, and how she stays so positive through the ups and downs of business. Welcome, Christine. Hey, Christine. Hey, guys. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. It's great to have you here. All right, Christine, I know you have a really interesting path and story, and we'd love to share it with our listeners. Oh, yeah, the winding path. Okay. Well, I am probably one of the oldest copywriters in the Copywriter Club. My path started back in the 80s. Way before the internet, when marketing was still done with maybe a computer, but pen and paper, rock and chisel. But I graduated college with a marketing degree and a minor in computer science. So not only was I into the marketing end of it, but I loved the tech stuff. So I ended up getting a job at Xerox and I did the corporate thing for several years. From there, I moved on to another very, very technical job as a marketing exec, managing executive for accounts for an electronics distributor. So I worked really closely with engineers. I worked with purchasing. I worked with production and manufacturing. And I did that for a really long time and that satisfied my technical need. And of course, you know, the writing that I did for that was really that boring, dry copy. It was proposals. It was, you know, the stuff that I hate to think about when I look back on it. And then from there, I ended up having a family. And this is where everything kind of turned. And the reason I talk about it like this is I know, you know, everybody has life lessons and things and tragedies and things that happen in their life that, that force them to pivot. And I had one of those. Our first daughter ended up passing a daycare. So my life completely, completely changed. I spent a month on the couch, literally trying to figure out what am I going to do with myself? What am I going to do with my life? I actually finally ended up getting off the couch, took a shower and went to a bookstore. And books were you know, a great solace for me, but not nonfiction. I went to all the how-to books, how to feel better, how to get your life back, all that. And that really made me think about what were the next steps. So when I had my next children, there was no way daycare was in the picture. So what could I do that would use some of my talents, but yet allow me to be home with my kids? And the big part of it was how to feel good while doing it. So I ended up creating a natural skincare line. I became a certified aromatherapist. So I did a lot with essential oils and I just wanted to play around with products that made people feel really good. So I did that for a little bit. And then as it started to grow, and I had products on every flat surface of my house, I actually got scared because I thought about, wow, my next step is to become a you know manufacturer, get a facility, move out. What do I do with my kids? So 
the worst thing I could possibly do was I bailed. I gave it all up and I bailed. Actually, it was a really good decision at the time because that's when I discovered how to do other maker things. I became a chocolatier. I did other fun things to occupy my time without having to, quote unquote, become another big business. And that's when I discovered coaching. Because one of the things that I love to do was coach other women in their creative business on how to start a business. So I did that for a while. And I worked in the coaching space for a bit. But I really, really missed the product end of it. That was a service-based business. And I missed doing the products. So I decided to go back, relaunch my product. I rebranded, I renamed, and I built that business literally from the ground up with new formulas, new GMP compliancy, FDA regulations, and all that. But what I discovered in this winding path was that all of the pieces that came together were, I loved marketing. And it was my creative director at my Basics Botanicals. And I found that that was my passion. I didn't love making as much as I loved marketing. So that's what brought me to copywriting. I did copywriting in my interim with children. I did do a couple years stint as a freelancer. And I did work for ADT and a couple of agencies here on Long Island. But as I had my second child, I ended up kind of working away from that because I lived so far from everybody. So I pulled away from that. And then that's when all these other things happened. And I came back to it back in 2015 as I got a certification at Copyblogger for their content marketing because I love the way that fit into e-commerce businesses and trying to help other makers get seen and heard without a big budget for marketing. So I started with that and then it just kind of grew back into loving copy and optimizing. Not that I'm great at it, but I love the idea of it. And I ended up in Joanna Weeb's mastermind. I love how Joanna put together the idea of conversion copy with research-based information, not just a direct marketing aspect of it. So that's really how I came back into copywriting in this winding path. Okay. There is so much that we can cover here and so many different questions that we want to ask, but we really don't want to gloss over. You mentioned the tragedy of losing your daughter you know, at a really pivotal point in your life. And hopefully I'm not asking too much, but you know, I think a lot of people go through tragedies like that and aren't able to talk about them. And so I'm just wondering how you got through that. You mentioned a month on the couch. I just can't even imagine how to deal with that kind of a thing. How did you possibly get through that? Yeah. And thanks for asking because you know what? Everybody has some kind of tragedy in their life. And the one thing for me was a month was kind of a short time, but it was a really long time not to take a shower. So <laughs> I really had to get out. Sure, sure. It actually took many, many years to work through it. But what I discovered at the end of that month was I could do one of two things. I could spiral up or I could spiral down. And I was heading in the downward spiral really fast. And that's when I got up and I went to the bookstore. And I literally, for a lot of the spiritual people out there, they'll get this. I actually found a book on angels. And it was the strangest thing because wherever I turned in the bookstore, there that book was. Huh. So I'm like, okay, I'll pick that book up, I guess. The universe has an interesting way of showing us just what we need. I have never seen that book again. It was in any other bookstore after that. So, you know, I really kind of took that time to regroup and really get to know myself. I allowed myself to grieve. Again, it was a long, long, long process because of the way this tragedy happened. So 
I let myself be there. But in the meantime, I let myself also kind of dabble back into my creative side because anybody that works for corporate knows how mind-numbing corporate work can be. I had, you know, mind-numbing from that. And then the tragedy of my daughter just, you know, my head was not in a good place. So I just got really creative. My guess is that having gone through that too, you probably have sort of a better sense of the importance of family and the time that you spent there. And I think that's probably impacted the rest of your career because you've really been there for your other kids. You've wanted to make sure that that time is important. Absolutely. And that was right, Rob. Top of mind for anything else I did was, you know, my, my main priority was my family and my kids being there for them. But I also knew the importance of what I needed to do for me. I love being a stay-at-home mom, but I also really needed to honor that creative side of me. And there was a point, you know, when I was in corporate years ago, I had a friend of mine that used to say, oh my God, you know, you're so creative. Think of these great ideas. You should do something with it. So I finally started doing something with it. But again, it all kind of came back to marketing. Every time I did something new between making bridal veils or chocolate or products or whatever, it really came back to marketing. And so I was able to do that around my kids' schedule, which was great. Again, because a lot of people, I think, feel that it's all or nothing when they have a family. I can either get a sitter and I can go all in with my business or I need to stay home with my kids. And a lot of times people don't give themselves that chance to do both because you really can. And one of the things that I do as far as when I consult makers is that realize where do you want your business to go? But also realize if you have young kids, there's only a certain amount of time you have and a certain amount of growth that you'll have when your kids are that young. So allow for all those different stages too. Wow. Okay. So I want to know what the Angels book is called so I can look it up. Oh my gosh. I cannot remember the name of it. It was a woman by the name of Silver Ravenwolf and it was just Angels. Oh, I can't remember. I'll have to find it. And I never saw it again after that, but it followed me. One more question about this prioritizing family versus work. And this is in my head, right? Because I have young kids right now. One of them's in daycare. It's constantly a struggle. So do you have like an actionable tip for anyone listening who's dealing with a similar situation, trying to honor their career, their craft, their creativity, while also honoring their family and the people they care about most? What is something that we can do or a mindset that we need to really work on or develop? You know, one of the first things is knowing that your children are safe, right? So if you have them in daycare, you know, knowing your provider and knowing that they're safe, because a lot of what we get distracted with in our businesses is we worry about our kids. We worry about what they're doing, what's going on, are they being taken care of? So once that's taken care of, that really helps to ease your mind and then allows you to spend, even if it's, Kira, you know, if you have two hours to yourself, you can get a lot done in two hours. You know, so giving yourself that time to really get work and focus, because if you're working from home, there's a lot of distractions. There's laundry, there's dogs, there's toys, there's, you know, all this other stuff that's around. So definitely be very focused. Allow, again, whether it's an hour or two of really constructive, creative work time. 
So I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about some of the work experience that you had and how that impacts what you do as a copywriter. You've started businesses, not just service businesses, but product businesses. And so you're doing all kinds of product creation. You've worked in the technical field. So you've sold sort of at the enterprise level and to different sized businesses. How has all of that experience informed what you do today as a copywriter? How does that make you better? Yeah, you know, seeing the different sides of business has really helped and understand because as a copywriter, I don't actually even just call myself a copywriter. I love strategy and I love looking at the big picture and then working down to the parts and the pieces that work together. So it's so funny because it just kind of came back around. One of the classes I took in college was called Systems Analysis and Design. How I ever chose that elective my senior year, I think I was crazy. But looking back on it, systems are a big part of creating a business, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're a product producer. And the one thing I learned with all this experience and all these different jobs is that there has to be a system in place to make it work. And looking at the overview of everything and then being able to put those pieces together really was part of the foundation of being able to do all these other businesses because one thing had to work in order for another thing to happen. And it goes with marketing and it goes with copywriters writing copy, writing of effective copy for their clients is the same thing. Like, What kind of systems do you have in place that will help you work and produce the best results? So let's talk about your systems, Christine. What systems do you have in place and which ones are most critical to your business today? Being a tech person, I do love my automation, but I try to really pare it down to just a couple of things because you know we can get really taken away with the bright shiny object syndrome when it comes to systems. So, you know, I have a calendar system. I have my my writing system, and I also have systems that I work through with clients. And for what I see with copywriters and working with clients, those systems are really important. That system being discovery, conversation, discovery, what's next, what are the goals, what do we see the project ending up as, and what are the results that we want. So that's the kind of writing system that I use, as well as, I know people ask about this, but my theme days are another big thing I learned from Joanna, as far as creating those kind of workable systems within my business. Because again, I can get carried away with doing hours and hours of client work, but then I'm not marketing my own business or I'm not getting onto social media or writing articles and building authority. So those kind of systems are really important to have in place. So in the past, we've asked a few of our guests about their discovery process and the kinds of questions that they ask. You've worked with a lot of different kinds of businesses. And I'm really curious, is there a difference in the kind of a discovery call that you would do with, say, a technical client or an engineering client versus someone that's maybe more of a maker and doing something that's maybe more consumer focused? That's a great question, Rob, because what I found in all the conversations is, you know what, when it comes down to it, people are people. And even though they're talking about business, what I found is if I can just get people to open up about what they want and what they need, certainly the enterprise engineering level is very different as far as that because they think high level and they think about what does my company need. But when we really drill down and look at what does the end customer actually look for, you know, what do our clients need in that discovery process, that really helps. And across the board, what I found is that's pretty much the same or very similar with people. You know, looking at what people need. Again, you know, what is the end result that we're looking for? You know, 
Is it growth? Is it acquisition? You know, so having having those conversations with people and just being a coach, one of the things that that taught me, I was certified in that too, is that asking questions is the biggest part of any kind of discovery and just letting the conversation happen and being really good at active listening. So what's really going on in the answers that the customers are putting forth to you? And then asking deepening questions that helps you understand the process that they're going through, the end results that they're looking for. And, you know, again, we all know this is they may want a certain thing, but they may need something else. And so really paying attention to those wants and needs and distinguishing between them helps in that discovery process. So when you're creating a strategy with somebody, you're really hitting on those subjects that maybe they were thinking or alluded to that make it really stand out for them, almost to the point where they say, wow, you know what? I was thinking that. I can't believe you discovered that, you know, or that you caught that or picked up on that. And that's what I found in connecting with clients is those are the biggest pieces that people really like because they look at such a higher view of things that they don't look at, again, what those deepening concerns can be that they can answer and have the answers to for their clients. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yesterday, Kira and I were talking with the, some of the writers that are in the Copywriter Accelerator, and we were talking about the difference between B2B and B2C. And the differences often tend to be around process and how you get paid and less around the needs that you need to focus on in order to sell things. Because when it comes right down to it, you're still talking to a human being at a business or as a consumer either way. Definitely. And that's one thing that I found that when working with engineers or enterprise, it's really funny because I like to drill down and they don't like to go there. I'll bet. And yeah. yeah, And we would do discovery, you know, when we're doing our research for voice of customer data, you know, a lot of them don't have reviews or don't want you to talk to clients. And one of the things that was hard with them is just really realizing that it's not just B to B, it's B to B to C. So, you know, for them to have a handle on their own clients, what those customers need will help them out in the long run because other people aren't connecting that way. And consumer B2C work, you don't have that extra step involved. So, you know, what I found in the maker industry is that they know their customers. They're having those conversations directly. So it does become a little bit easier to find those wants and needs. Christina, I would love an example. This is putting you on the spot, but of your discovery, because it sounds like it's really powerful and you've been able to uncover what your clients need when they don't even realize they need it. So can you just provide an example of when that happened and what that looked like? Yeah, yeah. I had this great engineering client that started out with, okay, we need the copy on our website redone. So I took a look at it and just started having conversation with them. Like, okay, what do you think you need with this copy? What's missing? What kind of conversations do you want to have with your clients? And it got into this discovery of really help making them think more about it. Because again, a lot of times those people think it's just copy on a page and it's really the process. So it made them think about what the process is. What's that conversation that they want to start? And what's going on in the heads of their clients. So we just talked about that. And again, I just let the conversation go and flow where it needs to be. 
I can't say like I have an ABC process to it because again, it's all about listening. And as you start to get really better at listening to your customers, you start thinking about those questions and that discovery process. Because in that with this client, what we discovered was they didn't have a plan for growth. Their presence online was so not where they wanted it to be. So we ended up recreating not only their website, but creating landing pages and email sequences that helps for when they're at trade shows. So from that discovery, we found a whole slew of things that they needed to do that will help their business grow in the way that they wanted it to grow, not in the traditional corporate way. So I guess we kind of got out of their head and you know looked at what they really needed next. So I think this is a really important conversation to have because I see a lot of copywriters, in fact, probably the majority who are approached by a client who then says, we need website copy and they stop there. They just provide the website copy and they don't go deeper to find out what are the needs or what's really going on. But I think part of the reason that happens isn't because we don't realize that they actually might need something besides website copy, like, you know, they're really after leads or sales or telling a better story, whatever that is. But because we don't know how to have this conversation where we're saying, okay, let's talk about your needs because that suddenly becomes a bigger project and a more expensive project. And we're, I think, oftentimes afraid of scaring clients away by telling them they need more than what they think they need. Absolutely. That's such a good point, Rob, because they do. And you know what? The way I look at it, that's okay too, because you're starting you know, in those conversations and yeah, they may get scared and say, oh no, no, I want to go back to just having web copy done. And you know, starting out as a copywriter, starting out in any business is scary. And sometimes we just don't know what to say, but the more you get into listening, really the easier it gets. And yeah, some customers will go, oh, I don't have that kind of budget or I don't have that kind of money. So then we start to look at, okay, where do we need to start this process? We don't have to do it all today, but how can we help you look at the goals that they really want to have? So you want your web copy done on your site, right? That's a good start. So let's start with a story. Let's start with the conversation that you want to start having with your customers, because I think that's the thing that most people don't think about is the start of a sales conversation. And so what does that look like? One of the things I've found with clients and the clients that are receptive to it, the clients that aren't really receptive yet, I end up giving them some information and you know they may want to go find a copywriter that's just going to change their copy. And that's okay too. We can't please everybody. We know as we grow our businesses and look at strategies, there are going to be a lot of those clients out there that just go, nope, don't want that. Just want my copy done. And there's a lot of copywriters out there that are really good at doing that. But what I found for businesses, when they really are at that point where they're growing and they really realize that that's what they want to do, they allow for a budget that can do that for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think it really takes, though, knowing how to have that conversation or being comfortable not knowing exactly where it's going to go eventually, but being able to ask the questions and really strategize with the client. You're obviously very comfortable having that conversation, probably because of your coaching experience and some other things, but it's something that the rest of us need to develop. And you know, that's true. And one of the things that I can tell people, I learned Xerox sales training 
like I said, 100 years ago, which was the best training that I learned for having conversations even before coaching. And it was spin, situation, problem, implication, need. And we all know as copywriters, the PAS, the problem agitation solution, it's really having conversations around that. You know, we write that way. But when we start thinking about the conversations we need to have early on with clients, it's the same thing. You know, what are those problems that you're having? How is that going to impact your business if you don't fix it? And what are our next steps going forward? It almost comes down to those conversations like that. No, that's a really good reminder that this is something that we do as copywriters, but we don't necessarily incorporate it into the sales conversation. Christine, I'd love to know more about how you landed this engineering client because we've had some side conversations about it and how you pitched them, but it worked. You landed them. It was a big project. Can you talk about how you actually did it? Yeah, it was a referral from one of my mastermind buddies. It was just not a project that she could take on. And so I got in the conversation, I got on the phone call with them and I said, okay, what's going on for you? You know, you're looking at copy. The one thing that I found also with clients and especially this conversation is people want direct information. They don't want to be sugarcoated. So I told him, I said, you know, looking at your site, I felt like I was being yelled at. Because there was a lot of clutter, you know, we know as copywriters, when we see the visual and we read it, do we feel like we're being yelled at? Does it trigger something in us that makes us want to leave the page? So there was a lot of that going on. So we actually started just talking strategy and it ended up being a lot more, again, than just copy, but he was very open and receptive to that because it was something that their company was growing and shifting and changing. So yeah, so we started that conversation. He's like, okay, I get it. So let's do something about it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And just having come back into copywriting full-time a year ago, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? But putting all my business experience together, the writing, when I was in coaching, I did a lot of sales pages for myself. So I just kind of went, okay, where are we going to start? And we really did just start with that process. And it turned into several landing pages. It turned into email sequences. I got into talking with some of their other employees for different segments. So it was just having the confidence to talk to them in a very clear and concise way and just say, okay, I can do this. And also one of the things I've done over my many, many years is I've said to clients, if I can't, I'll find the answer. And that's a big thing for people because sometimes, you know, we don't have all the answers, but if we can find out how to do that, plus also part of that was not just writing the copy, but I ended up finding a graphic designer because I'm not an agency and they were kind of looking for that. I said, I have a graphic designer and I have a web designer that if that helps get this contract, I can talk to them. And he's like, yep, you got it. So it was just kind of the way everything fell into place, but I wasn't afraid to ask them those questions. Yeah. And I think that takes a lot of confidence, right? To have those conversations and to be able to just say, yeah, I can handle this. I can find these people and really show up as the consultant, like you said, rather than just the copywriter who's going to wordsmith, you can bring in a team and solve problems. So it's a different type of attitude. Definitely. And we are problem solvers. You know, as we write copy, we certainly are, we're those problem solvers. And because we're not so close to the business, we can look outside it and see some of the other things that are going on. 
And to be just really open and honest with clients about what you see, because again, they don't always see those things. And because we're doing research and talking to other people within the company, sometimes their communication within their company is not as good as it could be. And so when you come in as an outsider and show them those things in a kind but clear way, it helps them see past what the current situation is. Yeah. So I want to talk about niching because Rob and I love to talk about that. Yes, we do. <laughs> and I know that you, you've worked with makers, you have engineering clients. How are you kind of dealing with the transition and really discovering which niche you want to focus on over the next year? How do you really determine that when you seem to be drawn towards different niches at once? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. And niching is really important because we can't be all things to all people, even though we want to be. Even though I love doing the technical stuff, the last one I did for the engineer was a landing page for data centers. So it was really great. And it was really fun. But when I come back to the makers, you know, these are people that poured their heart and soul and passion into creating something that they want to get out into the world. And they need help with it. They don't necessarily have maybe the business or the marketing skills, or they want to just make product and they really don't know what their next steps are. So I really just keep gravitating to the maker niche. It was really interesting. I was trying to look up some stats. So I looked up Shopify and what astounds me is how fast the online the e-commerce businesses are growing. It's anticipated to be 246.15% increase worldwide by 2021. You know, so there's a lot of people out there that are moving maybe from corporate or maybe they're being downsized or maybe they're, I hate to put it this way, but aging out, you know, being one of the oldest <laughs> people in Copywriter Club. I know what that feels like. And it's cool because I see other people not quitting, but shifting and moving into a passion. So that's where this maker niche is really coming into play because again, they want help. They want to get seen. They want to get heard. They want to know how to market without feeling icky. And that's where that niche really started coming together for me. So when you talk about makers, one of the things that immediately comes to my mind is that a lot of these people, they're just starting out. They may not have a lot of money. How do you help them in a way that doesn't hurt your own business so that you're basically not creating a nonprofit for yourself? Yeah. And you know, that's a really good point. And I've been struggling with that a little bit over this past year because makers don't have a lot of money and they don't have big budgets. So what I'm doing is putting together classes. There's a network I belong to that I've been with since 2002 and I'm their coach for that. And from that, I've gotten information and done research on what these people need. So I'm going to be putting together classes and creating kind of like how you guys have done for the Copywriter Club, I'm going to do that for makers, at least for the ones just starting out or just within the first couple of years of their businesses. For the ones that are been in it for maybe a decade or so and are looking for growth in a shift, these are people that do have a budget. So it's easier to pitch and work and do work for them. So that's kind of where I'm headed. And I'm still unfolding and still trying to get used to <laughs> what that looks like. So I'm just learning every day as I go along. So Christine, you already have this platform for makers, right? You've already been in that space. You're coaching that space. But now you really want to monetize it, it sounds like. And I imagine someone listening may be thinking the same thing for a different niche that they want to create a platform and offer different products and services and programs. So where would you recommend they start? Have you done anything or taken a step that's worked so far? 
Yeah. Recently, we had Danny Eine on for the Think Tank, and that was really great. That Teach and Grow Rich, that was a really good source and kind of validated for me the importance of being able to teach for people, again, that don't have that budget. So that was a really big resource. Of course, I've looked at some of the other people out there teaching. The way Joanna teaches her classes have really impacted me as well because they're so detailed and they're so full of information that can really help people move along. So that was my idea of starting to create classes for people and start monetizing that end of it. I'm also playing with productized services. So, you know, for people that need maybe an about page or product descriptions that can't do custom work or are not ready for a big custom project, that also helps monetize or doing web copy audits. Those are things that we can monetize that people need, but also don't break their bank, but gives them a lot of information, especially, you know, makers like to do their own stuff, I've found. So it gives them enough information that they can actually go and change and work on their sites themselves, but yet have our professional expert advice and helping them do that. And I'm still playing with those because it's going to shift and change, I'm sure, over the next year, but that's where I'm headed. So Christine, you've mentioned that you belong to a mastermind. You mentioned the think tank that you've also belonged in. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about your business. I know that you're busy with your kids as well. Why is learning so important to you? And how do you find the time and the money to do it? You know, Why are you involved in a mastermind and the think tank and trying to grow like that? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, we can't do this in a bubble. And you know, we've all talked about being introverts. One of the things that I found, and it's really, really easy for me to do, is hermit. So I can get in my bubble and I can work and do things and try to think and work my way through whatever situation and find that it gets really lonely or I'm in my head too much. And then I start questioning, what the heck am I doing? What's going on? Is this right? So for me, it was really getting out and I only know as much as I know. There's so much more out there. And that was one of the really important things about joining the mastermind last year, because again, getting back into copywriting, it has changed so much from when I did it 20 years ago. It's faster. It's different. We speak differently. It's not dry. There's same but different processes. So I really needed to learn that. I didn't feel comfortable really going out. You know, I know we talk about imposter syndrome and I was feeling like that, but really I looked at the level of competence. So I was kind of at that conscious incompetence phase and I didn't like the way it felt. So for me, I always love to learn and there's always something to learn to get better at. So that's why mastermind and think tanks are so important as far as, you know, it's money worth spending when it's a really good program. I have in the past spent money on programs that I look at myself and go, I hate to say it this way, but I'm a better coach than that. What did I learn and what did I take away? So I also really make it a point to research what's out there that will help me, not just another bright, shiny object, but what's really my goal and what's it going to help me learn so I can get to the next level of my business. Beyond learning, which is clearly important here, and getting out of your bubble, where do you think most copywriters today, where do they kind of fall down and plateau? What are they not doing that they should be doing? Learning. Always being open to whatever's out there. Because again, marketing is changing. Business is changing. The internet is changing. Part of you know having conversations like in the Copywriter Club or Masterminds or just getting together with other people in marketing and copywriting, having conversations, you start to see that what you may know is good and other people don't know it, so you need to share it. 
right? So you're still teaching other people. They have other things going on for them that they've learned that you could learn. And it's just a way of growing and becoming better at what you do and not stagnating because we can certainly get to a point where we feel like, all right, I got this. And then something else will show up and you're like, okay, no, I don't have this. So, you know, really being open to what's out there, I think is super important for people. So, Christine, this might come across as a little bit of a different question, at least different from what I usually ask. But anybody who knows you, who's seen the videos that you've done online or has seen you in the Copywriter Club, how we've interfaced with you in the think tank, you are incredibly positive and upbeat, it seems like, all the time. So, what's the secret? How do you stay up so much? I go in my room and I cry and scream when I don't feel good. No. <laughs> no, I have my downtimes. But, you know, what I've learned over these many, many years, really since my first child's passing as well, is that it's really easy to get down. As a matter of fact, we're kind of doing that with my son right now in his transition to a new college. It's easy to feel that way. So for me, being upbeat is there's two ways to go. You can either spiral down or spiral up. And it's a lot of work to feel crappy. You know, what I do is I recognize if I'm having a down day, I recognize, okay, this doesn't feel good. I'll either go for a run or I'll get my mind off of something and do something else or do something creative. But it just feels better to be upbeat. And I know sometimes people look and go, <laughs> my daughter makes a joke of it. She's like, we're all winners here because that's the way I come. <laughs> but I'm like, but I really feel that way, you know, because there's always something good to find in all the garbage and things that go on in our head. So it's just a matter of really finding that because I can get really low and I don't like the way that feels. Christine, so we've talked a little bit about this, but because you have such an eclectic background, you've been in multiple spaces for a new copywriter who's trying to figure out where to focus their attention and where they could really make a name for themselves. Where would you say the best opportunity is online today in copywriting? For me, and again, when I think about the space I'm going into with makers and e-commerce, again, the e-commerce statistics are staggering. When you go from 1.3 trillion in sales in 2014 to 4.3 trillion dollars in 2021, there is more and more people going into the e-commerce space. And if you look at different e-commerce sites out there, and this is, might be a great place for those copywriters that are interested in that space, go look at different, different sites that are out there, different brands, different companies, start taking a look at what they're saying. Because the one thing that I found and why I still am so interested in that space is so many of the same brands that sell the same type of products say the exact same thing. So they're not standing out. And so as a copywriter and as a strategist, you can really help those e-commerce brands stand out by helping them create a story or copy or content that helps them engage not only in their story, understand their customers a little bit better because our customers are key to everything in our business and really help them grow. I know e-commerce isn't like in some other businesses where people may love to write long form sales pages and do that. E-commerce helps you hone in your skills on writing short content and short copy because it has to be those value props that really capture the attention the second somebody lands on a page. So it definitely makes you work your copywriter chops more, but it's fun writing descriptions. I always come back to Jay Peterman. If you guys ever watched Seinfeld, Elaine used to work for Jay Peterman with the Urban Sombrero. And, you know, it's really fun to write descriptions and copy that put your customer 
you know, your customer is the hero of the story. Put your customer in the story that just engages them and you know, helps them get to that buying point faster. This has been an incredible discussion. We really appreciate you coming to share so much about your personal experience as well as your business experience. This has been great. Christine, if people want to connect with you or find you online, where should they go? Yeah, they can connect with me on my website, basicsmarketing.com, and it's ba number six marketing.com. I'm also on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. And I do hang out in the Copywriter Club. Yep, you're there quite a bit. We appreciate it, your contributions and this discussion. It's been awesome. Great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Mm-hmm.